Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. I am recording this episode today sitting at my floor desk out in the garden in the sunshine and it is just bringing me all the joy. It is so freaking gorgeous outside today. It's got to be like 75 degrees and beautiful sun and I just couldn't bring myself to go record this inside. So if you hear the occasional car or random sound or bird, whatever it is, just disregard. I have been loving working out here on my floor desk. If you don't know what a floor desk is, it's basically just a desk that is low enough that you could like sit crisscross and work at it. And it's so much better for your body. It's, um, you have much more like, what's the word? Ergonomical, what's (laughs) much like sitting positions that are conducive for better hip and spine health. And you're able to sit on the ground, which I love. And it's just all around joyful. So that's my morning today. I hope you're having the most wonderful, amazing morning. And today I'm very, very excited to talk to you about the fertility awareness method. If you don't know what the fertility awareness method is, it is basically a means of natural birth control, but it is so much more than that I have come to realize because even if you aren't trying to prevent pregnancy, no matter what phase of life you're in, if you are a woman with a cycle, I believe you should be using the fertility awareness method because it gives you so much insight into your cycle. Because when you're using the fertility awareness method, and we'll dive into all the things about it today, but you're essentially just tracking your ovulation and your ovulation is what separates the different phases in your cycle. And your ovulation is very, very important for your overall um, hormonal health. So when you're tracking these things, you're able to know if you are ovulating, if you aren't ovulating, when you're ovulating, how long your luteal phase, how long your follicular phase is. And it's just so helpful to get this deeper insight into your cycle and your health. So you can always know what's going on with your body and you don't have to go to a gynecologist and let them be the one who tells you what's going on with your body if you know what's going on with your body. So I have just come to love this method so much for the freedom that it gives me with preventing pregnancy, with the insight that it gives me into my health. And it's just all around a fantastic tool that every woman should at least understand how to use. So whether you are a woman that is trying to prevent pregnancy, whether you are a woman that is trying to conceive, or you're just a woman who wants to know a little bit more about her cycle, this episode today is going to be for you. Welcome to the Intentional Health Podcast, a space for women to be empowered with the real, no BS truth about their health. But to be honest, this podcast goes far beyond physical health. Join me each week as I share stories, science, and thoughts with you on everything surrounding womanhood. You can pretend we're just two girlfriends chatting over some homemade mocktails or a warm glass of raw milk, because that's how I want these conversations to feel. I'm not about formalities. I share the details no one wants to say out loud and answer the questions we've all secretly been asking. So welcome, friend. I'm so glad that you're here. So let's just get straight into it. What is the fertility awareness method? I think to start off, we should first talk about what is ovulation because a lot of women don't even know what ovulation is and why would we? We're not taught this in school. I didn't learn what ovulation was until I was like 21 or 22 years old, which is insane. But so essentially a lot of women believe that your period is the main event of your cycle. You know, you just kind of get a period every couple weeks and then 
nothing happens for a few weeks and you get a period again, but there's so much more that goes on in those in-between weeks. And the most important thing of that is going to be your ovulation. So ovulation is when your body releases an egg to try and make a baby. And this actually only happens once per cycle. If you're like me, you probably used to believe that every single time you had sex, every time you had an orgasm, your body was releasing an egg. That is in fact not true. Maybe I'm the only one that believed that, but I thought that that's how it worked because no one ever taught me. But your body actually only releases an egg once per cycle. It happens around the middle of your cycle. It releases one egg. The egg lives for 24 hours. It dies. Then you do not have another viable egg until your next cycle. So why is this important? This is important because the only time a woman can get pregnant is when there is an egg that is alive to be fertilized. So when you are around near ovulation, that's the only time you're able to get pregnant. Once that egg dies, then you go into the week of your luteal phase, you go into your period. During that entire time, there's literally no egg that can be fertilized. Therefore, it is scientifically impossible for women to get pregnant. And just knowing that already empowers a woman so much to be able to know when she can and can't safely have sex. The other thing about ovulation is that it is crucial for your health because ovulation is the event that causes all of our different hormone um, fluctuations. So ovulation happens. That is what signals to the body to start producing progesterone, which you have in your luteal phase, which then signals to eventually have your period. And then that goes into the rise of estrogen in your follicular phase and estrogen drops once you've ovulated. So all of the this hormonal dance that our body goes through can only happen if ovulation is happening regularly. So a woman that is not hormonally healthy is a woman that maybe doesn't ovulate every single cycle or maybe a woman that doesn't ovulate at all. A lot of times if women have come off of birth control, they can go months and months without ovulating. And this is a problem. And we want to know if this is happening. And oftentimes the only way we can know if we are ovulating or not is if we are tracking our cycle through something like the fertility awareness method. So hopefully I'm not throwing too much at you yet. Let's break this down into what it actually looks like. So your body gives you these things called fertility signs and your fertility, you have three of them. So one of them is your basal body temperature, which is the temperature of your body when you wake up in the morning. The next one is cervical fluid. If you've ever experienced that kind of discharge that, um, creamy stuff that you might find in your underwear, that is cervical fluid and it is completely normal. Uh, and your third fertility sign is going to be your cervix position, which we'll get into a little bit later. But all of these are called your fertility signs because they are going to change as you go throughout your cycle each month. So the first one is going to be your basal body temperature. And the way we use this to know where we are in our cycle is that the early part of your cycle, so throughout your follicular phase, which is the phase right after your period and before ovulation, your basal body temperature is going to be in a consistent low range. So maybe, and the number is going to be different for every single woman. So I can't tell you like, oh, this is the number your temperature is supposed to be. It's going to be 
whatever is your temperature. So you'll know the difference because in your follicular phase, you'll have one temperature, your luteal phase, you'll have another temperature, and you'll have to notice that pattern in your temperature chart. But for me, for example, my um, basal body temperature is in a consistent range of about 97.1 degrees to about 97.3 degrees. And it just kind of fluctuates there for the first bit of my cycle. Also, I am so sorry if you keep hearing my computer ding. I forgot to put it on Do Not Disturb. Anyways, so in your follicular phase pre-ovulation, your temperatures are going to be in that consistent range. Once ovulation occurs, which is your body releasing the egg, this is going to stimulate the production of progesterone in your body. And progesterone warms your body. So the day after you ovulate, which is when progesterone production will begin, your basal body temperature is going to now be in a consistent higher range. So for example, for me, pre-ovulation, I'm in a consistent 97.1 to 97.3 range. After ovulation, my body is going to be around 97.6 to all the way to 98 degrees. And you will see this temperature, you'll see this shift really clearly when you are looking at your, all of your temperature readings on a temperature chart, which you can use an app for. It's super, super simple, but that is going to be your first fertility sign. So if you are not ovulating, you will not see that temperature shift. If you're ovulating really late, you're going to notice that shifts happen really late. If you're ovulating early, you're going to see it happen early. It's going to tell you exactly when you're ovulating in your cycle, which is so, so helpful to already have so much knowledge as to what is going on inside your body. A lot of women who are not ovulating, you'll notice a very erratic, you know, kind of chaotic temperature pattern. So your temperatures will be all over the place. There's no clear pattern. There's no clear temperature shifts. And that is going to tell you that you are not ovulating. Some other insight that your temperature can give you to your overall hormone health is that your temp- your basal body temperature should never be lower than 97 degrees. That shows that there is an issue within your cycle. You could have estrogen dominance. You could just have a really low functioning um, metabolism or thyroid, but we never want our temperature to be lower than 97 degrees. So that is also something to look out for. And then post- ovulation, you want to see a steady rise in your temperature. So, you know, for me, maybe the day after ovulation, I'm at 97.6. The next day I'm at 97.7. And then it'll kind of gradually go all the way up to maybe 98.1. And then it'll slowly come back down as progesterone begins to lower at the end of the luteal phase. But another key indicator that you'll see with your um, basal body temperature is that you will be able to know exactly how many days long your luteal phase is. So a healthy luteal phase, which is the phase right after ovulation, which ends on the first day of your period, or the end the day before the first day of your period, is supposed to be 12 to 14 days. If this phase is not 12 to 14 days, this is because your progesterone levels are not high enough. This can lead to PMS symptoms, painful periods, or even early miscarriage if you are trying to conceive. So it's really important that our luteal phase is long enough, and we're not going to be able to know how long it actually is unless we know what day we're ovulating. So you find your ovulation day, then you count the day after that until your period starts, and that window should be 12 to 14 days. 
I hope I'm not throwing too much at you. I know this is a ton of information. Um, I'll try to take it slow. I would definitely recommend going back and listening to this episode a couple times so you can really grasp it. And obviously there's so many great resources out there for you. The book that I learned all this from years ago is called Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Weschler. And I 1000% recommend reading that book. It is like the Bible of the fertility awareness method, but it's also a very thick book. And so I'm going to try and just give you a little summary rundown in this episode today. So anyways, that is basal body temperature. I recommend using a basal thermometer, which is going to be different than your little household thermometer that you're just going to see if you have a fever with, because a basal thermometer is much more accurate. So we want to be able to see the difference between those readings of the 97.1, 97.2, all you want to see those really small fluctuations. And oftentimes a normal, you know, kitchen house thermometer is not going to be accurate enough to see those differences. I also personally love to use a Bluetooth thermometer because it makes the whole thing just so much easier. I will take my temperature in the morning without even opening my eyes. I'll just grab it off my nightstand when I hear my alarm go off. I'll put the thermometer in my mouth. It'll beep. I'll put it back on the counter and not even open my eyes. And oftentimes I'll even fall back asleep um, because it'll just Bluetooth straight into my phone with the temperature and I can just go look at it later. All right, moving on to the next fertility sign. So the next one is going to be cervical fluid, which like I said, is that discharge that you find in your underwear. And it's so funny because growing up, I feel like we don't talk about this and we're definitely not taught it in school. And so, so many girls will think that there's something wrong with them or they're like dying because they have this liquid in their underwear, this like creamy stuff, or they think they peed their pants. And it's so sad that it's this very, very normal part of our health and we just have no idea what's going on. But if I am the first person to tell you, it is normal. It is, in fact, extremely healthy to have cervical fluid. So let's talk about the different kinds of cervical fluid because there's all different kinds. Your cervical fluid is going to range on a scale of dry to watery. So the dry may be when you find some kind of, you know, sort of crumbly stuff in your underwear. And then it'll go into maybe a little more creamy, kind of like a lotion. And then from there, maybe it goes into an egg white kind of texture, you know, kind of slimy. And that's that's more wet than the previous ones. And then from there, it can go into full on watery where it just looks like you peed your pants. And so our body is going to produce more and more watery cervical fluid as we get closer and closer to ovulation in our follicular phase. So let's say your period just ended, you're maybe two days past when your period ended. So you're two days into your follicular phase and you start to notice maybe some like kind of dry, crumbly stuff in your underwear. Then a few days later, it starts to get creamier. Then you see some egg white stuff. Then maybe it just looks like you straight out peed your pants. That is the evolution of your cervical fluid as you get closer to ovulation. And our body does this because when we ovulate, obviously our body wants to get pregnant because it's releasing this egg. And so it is going to try to make it as easy as possible for the sperm to get to the egg. So think of it like a slip and slide that your body is creating to give a nice clear path, a nice easy mode of transportation for the sperm to get to the egg. So the reason it gets more watery um, as you get close to ovulation is it's more and more of that slip and slide quality to make that transportation as easy as possible. This is great for us because it gives us a clear indicator of 
how close we are to our ovulation. We know if we're kind of getting that crumbly stuff, we're probably quite a few days out, but we know if we're getting that, that watery or that egg white consistency, then we know, okay, ovulation is probably really close. It might be happening today. It might be happening tomorrow. We're not completely sure. We'll confirm it with our temperature, but we know we're really, really close to it. So you can really think of cervical fluid as that pre-ovulation indicator that you know, it's coming and you can think of that body temperature as that post-ovulation confirmation. Like, okay, we're getting that watery cervical fluid. We know we're really close to ovulation. Oh, tomorrow. Oh, I saw my temp spike. Okay. Ovulation's confirmed. I know I am now past it. The egg has died. I am good. And regard in regard to cervical fluid, once we, like once ovulation has come and gone, you want to be seeing a drying up of that cervical fluid. If you continue to get watery or egg white cervical fluid after you think you have ovulated, it is likely that your body didn't actually ovulate and it's continuously trying to ovulate. So we want to make sure not only did we get the watery cervical fluid, we saw it start to dry up and maybe it went back to creamy or dry. And then we also had that clear temp spike that not only spiked, but remained spiked. And that is how we are going to confirm ovulation. Because if you just get a one day temp spike and then the next day it's back down to 97.3 or whatever, that's not a confirmed ovulation. That your temperature has to spike and then remain spiked for the remainder of your luteal phase until your period comes again. And that is going to be an ovulation confirmation. So normally you'll be able to confirm if you've had, let's say three or four days in a row of that temp spike and seen that cervical fluid dry up as well. And listen, I know this sounds like so much information and it probably sounds really overwhelming if you've never heard of these things before, you've never done it, but I promise you after a few months of learning it and tr and practicing it, it's going to become second nature. When I first learned fertility awareness method, it was, it felt so overwhelming and daunting, but now it's something that I don't even think about. It is truly second nature for me to take my temperature to, I'll notice that temp spike. I'll notice cervical fluid. I understand the different fluctuations of my temp and of my cervical fluid so I can identify issues or a late ovulation, whatever it is, I promise you it's going to become that for you where it's something you don't even have to think about. So now, now let's move on to our third and final fertility sign, which is cervix position. This one is a little bit harder for women to identify in the beginning. I honestly didn't understand it for the first year that I did this, and I've only recently come to fully understand it and be able to um, actually notice it. And this is how I started noticing it. This is going to be a lot of detail, but you know, that's the kind of podcast this is. I'm here to tell you all the things no one else is going to tell you. So bear with me. We're about to talk about sex. You will notice that at certain, well, actually, let me backtrack. Let me first tell you what cervix position is, and then I will give you the analogy and then it'll all come together. So in, so if you don't know your female anatomy, you have your vaginal cavity, which is the direct inside of your vagina. And then above that, you have your cervix. So think if your vaginal cavity is this, um, it's a cap, think, think of it like a, a hole. So you have this cavity, it's open, and right above it is your cervix, which is a basically a thin, um, think like a tube, a canal, where the sperm has to then travel up this little canal, which opens into your uterus. So you have your vaginal cavity above that, this, this closed, this pathway, which is for the most part closed. It's a very thin canal. And then above that is your uterus, which is another open space. 
when the sperm enters the body, so when you're having sex, your the man's penis is not going to be able to go into your cervix. It is too small of an opening. It is only only going to go into the vaginal cavity. So when a sperm is released, it needs to it enters the vaginal cavity. It has to travel up the cervix into the uterus through the fallopian tube to the ovary to um, fertilize the egg. When our body releases an egg, it sits there in the fallopian tube. So it's there's a long way for the sperm to have to travel to fertilize this egg. So our body wants to make it as easy as possible when it is ovulation time for that sperm to get to the egg. So what it's going to do is it's going to shorten the the pathway that it has to travel. It's going to shorten your cervix. So think of your cervix as this, this tissue-like um, canal that is going to basically condense itself. So let's say it was a three inch long um, pathway. Now it's going to be an inch and a half long pathway to make the distance the sperm has to travel shorter. I hope you're following me. If not, it's okay. I promise eventually you're going to understand this. So our cervix gets shorter and it does that by raising. It gets higher because inside our vaginal cavity, then you have to travel upward to get to the uterus and the fallopian tubes. So our cervix is going to get higher to shorten itself. And at the same time, it is also going to get really, really soft because any other time in our cycle, our cervix wants to stay closed because it doesn't want to allow any kind of toxins into the uterus. So it remains very hard and firm, kind of like the feeling of the tip of your nose so that it can stay closed to let nothing in. But when it wants to let sperm in, it's going to get soft to allow it to open and it's gonna kind of feel like the inside of your cheek. You know, nice and soft, very tissue-like, so that it can raise, open up, and allow that sperm to travel through. I hear you, I know, you hate ad breaks, but I just can't hold myself back from sharing my favorite product in the world with you right now. So just bear with me, okay? If you're like me, you've been searching far and wide for skincare that is free of harmful ingredients, smells so dreamy you just want to eat it, and makes your skin glow like no other. Look no further because Ella Skin Co. is everything you've dreamed of and more. These ultra-luxurious products are made only with the highest quality, locally sourced tallow, and those dreamy scents, they come from fresh herbs infused into the products by the warmth of the sun. Skincare doesn't get better than this. I am truly obsessed. Use code KYLA10 for 10% off your first order and experience the Ella difference. Ella Skin Co. Simple, nourishing, luxurious. So the way that I started to notice this is a lot of times when you have sex, there will be times of the month where it can feel painful if the man goes too deep inside and it feels like they're almost hitting a wall. But you'll notice that other times in your cycle, that same thing can happen, but it will not be painful and it feels like there is no wall that can be hit. That is because they are hitting your cervix. When you are in your luteal phase, when the cervix is low and closed because it doesn't want anything in there, it is going to be closer to the bottom of your vaginal cavity and therefore it's going to be easier to hit. So you'll notice when you have passed ovulation, it's going to be a little bit more painful to have sex if it goes too deep because you're going to hit your cervix. But when you are ovulating, 
cervix is super high. It's very, very soft. So it's not go you're not going to feel something hit it. And that is the first time that I was able to actually visualize and conceptualize the moving of my cervix. So you can test this yourself, but you can, you can feel your cervix. If you stick your finger inside of your vaginal cavity, and I encourage you to try this so that you can understand your anatomy a little bit better. You, when you are at a time that is far away from ovulation, you will be able to feel the bottom of your cervix. It will feel hard like the tip of your nose, and it'll probably take your entire middle finger to reach it. But when you are at a time that is close to ovulation and you try to feel for your cervix, you are not going to be able to find it. It's just going to feel like you're touching the inside of your cheek. It's going to feel just like soft tissue. And that is your third fertility sign because you know that if it feels soft and it is very high up, you can't find it, you are close to ovulation because it is opening to let sperm in. And then you also know that once you feel inside and it feels hard and it feels firm, it has closed, which means ovulation has passed. I really hope this makes sense. If it does not, I am so sorry. Um, but that is your third fertility sign. This is an optional fertility sign. Most people, when they learn the fertility awareness method, they don't ever check their cervix position. And that's totally fine. I didn't use it for the first year. Um, it's just that extra confirmation that you can have. So if your temperature maybe seems a little confusing, your cervical fluid isn't fully lining up, this is that extra confirmation that you can have. You can check that fertility sign to have the confidence to be able to be like, yes, I definitely ovulated or no, I have not yet ovulated. But it's optional. You don't need to use it. It is totally fine if you don't want to. So those are your three fertility signs, basal body temperature, cervical fluid, and cervix position. So your next question is likely, okay, how do I use this as birth control? And I am going to tell you. So like I said before, ovulation only happens once per cycle and that egg only lives for 24 hours. So you can only get pregnant when there is an egg to be fertilized, but sperm can live in the body for up to six days. So knowing these two facts, we can identify what is called a fertile window, which is your day of ovulation and the five to six days prior to that. These are the days that it is technically possible for you to get pregnant. Because let's say you had sex four days before ovulation, sperm entered the body, it's remained alive until that egg got released. It was still alive when the egg got released. It is going to be fertilized. You're going to get pregnant. But let's say you have sex the day after ovulation. The egg has died. There's nothing to be fertilized. You have nothing to worry about. So all the fertility awareness method really is when using it as birth control is really about identifying your fertile window, identifying that time that having sex can lead to pregnancy to know when it is safe and not sex, not, or not safe to have sex. So the way you do this is by tracking your cervical fluid. So the general rule is that after your period ends, once you start producing cervical fluid that is of watery quality, so creamier or um, egg white or watery, you have to deem yourself as fertile because that is a fertile state for a sperm to survive in. 
if your period ends and you are not yet producing any cervical fluid at all, you go to the bathroom in the evening and your underwear is completely dry, there's no discharge on it whatsoever, you can still deem yourself as infertile at that time because there is not yet conditions present in your vaginal cavity for sperm to remain alive and you are also not nearing ovulation. So once your period ends, maybe a few days go by, you start noticing that cervical fluid production, you can now be confident that you've entered that six-ish day window and you are now going to have to take extra precautions or just avoid sex entirely until you have confirmed that ovulation has come and gone through your temperature spike. Does that make sense? It is very simple once you've done it for a while. I still would highly recommend you read the Taking Charge of Your Fertility book or use my um, the guide that I have made to teach you all about this. I wouldn't recommend trying to do this just based on this podcast episode, but help, hopefully this gives you at least an intro into this. There are five rules of the fertility awareness method, which are the rules to avoid pregnancy. I'm not going to go into them super in depth here because they get a little into the weeds, but I do teach that in my guide and it is taught in the Taking Choice of Your Fertility book, um, both which I will link in the show notes. Um, but what I've just taught you is really the gist of the entire thing. So that is using the fertility awareness method to um, avoid pregnancy. What if we are wanting to use this as a form of conception? Maybe you've been trying to have a baby for a while and you're just not able to fall pregnant. This is also a great method for that because it is going to tell you two things. It's going to tell you if you even are ovulating, which obviously is extremely important if you are trying to have a baby, many women may think that they're ovulating and they're not actually ovulating at all. It will tell you when you're ovulating. So maybe if you're, you believe the myth that ovulation always has to happen on day 14, like we have been taught. And so you're always having sex around day 14, but you're actually ovulating on day 17. You're missing your ovulation every single time and you're not going to be able to conceive. Using this method will also teach you how long your luteal phase is, because as we know, if our luteal phase is not of that 12 to 14 day length, we are very likely going to have an early miscarriage because of a failed implantation. So both of these things are really important to know if you have been trying to get pregnant and are not successful at the moment. And this can give you insight into, okay, maybe we just need to change the timing of our sex or okay, maybe I just need to be supporting my progesterone levels a little bit better so that I can have a normal length luteal phase. Either way, it's going to save you thousands and thousands of dollars of fertility testing that you may not have needed because there was just a simple issue that you could identify for free and fix very easily. And then finally, maybe you aren't trying to get pregnant. Maybe you aren't trying to avoid pregnancy. Maybe you just want to know what the heck is going on in your cycle. And like I said before, this is going to be really helpful for that as well because you are going to know if when you're ovulating, you're going to know, be able to know confidently which phase of your cycle you're always in because ovulation is what separates your follicular from your luteal phase. And you're going to have the full confidence to know how to take care of each phase of your cycle because you're going to know what phase of your cycle you're in. So there you have it. That is the fertility awareness method. That is all that it is. Um, a few key tips for success in this. One, I like I said, I would make sure you use a basal thermometer. A Bluetooth thermometer is definitely the best um, because it just makes it a lot more effortless. A lot of people love using um, the armband thermometer. It's called Temp Drop. 
because um, it'll track your temperature without you having to even do anything. It's just kind of expensive, so I have never tried it. Um, but a lot of people absolutely love it. Um, some people struggle with getting consistent temperature readings, taking their temperature orally. And when that happens, I recommend that you try taking your temperature vaginally. And a lot of women get much more accurate readings doing it that way. You also want to make sure that you are taking your temperature at the same time every day or near the same time every day. You don't want to take your temperature one day at 5.30 a.m. and the next day at 9.30 a.m. You're not going to get an accurate reading that way. Um, so what I do is I have an alarm that goes off every morning at like 5.30 a.m. Um, because that's the time that I wake up on the weekdays and I, the alarm will go off. I'll take my temperature sometimes fall back asleep. Sometimes I won't on the weekends, the same alarm will go off and I'll still take my temperature and I'll go right back to bed and forgot, forget it even happened. That doesn't work for some women. That's totally okay. Um, some women won't temp on the weekends and that's fine. Um, you just want to have the majority of the temps for the month to, you know, be able to identify a clear pattern. Another tip for success, if you are traveling into different time zones, if you are jet lagged, your temperatures are going to be thrown off and you need to adjust accordingly. So know that if you are going into a different time zone, you want to be temping in the time zone that you came from, or just know that they're not going to be accurate for those few days. Alcohol will also throw off your temps if you drank the night before. Um, so there's just a few key things to know, but there have been times that I've traveled for like two weeks out of the, my cycle and was still able to identify ovulation. It just takes getting used to and, and practice to start to know your body and you'll be able to get better and better with temping with fewer accurate readings. So there you have it. I hope this was helpful for you. I hope that I did not forget anything. I'm probably gonna think of a million things that I forgot to say when I finished recording this. So I'm gonna have to make a part two. Um, but for now, I really, really hope that is helpful. I will link some resources in the show notes that I think will be great for you. And I hope that if you were feeling on the fence about using this method, this has given you at least a little bit more knowledge to feel like you are ready to make that jump. I promise you it is not as scary and daunting as it seems. It, like I said, it, it's second nature to me now. I would never not do this. It's not something that feels like extra work for me. It's not something that's like, it's not a bother. It just, it's just part of my daily life now. And, and I love it. And I love having that extra insight into my health. I can't imagine not having it now. So I highly recommend it for every single woman. But until next time, I hope you make this day and this week a beautiful one. I hope it is filled with all of the growth and the joy and the love that you need. Know that I believe in you and I am rooting for you and you can do this.